Hey everybody, this is Nick Romolini and welcome to episode three of The Blank Page, a podcast about creativity, neuroses, and the intersection of the two. Today's conversation is with writer-director Kat Reinhardt. She's known for the 2018 romantic comedy Brand New Old Love and the documentary What's Eating Ralphie May, which is currently making its way through the festival circuit. I was lucky enough to see the LA premiere of the documentary and I was really moved by it. It's a really harrowing story of addiction and mental health issues and it's just a really emotional documentary. I really enjoyed hearing Kat's perspective on all the stuff that I like to talk about, given that she has made two indie films at this point. I found her point of view really valuable. We talk a lot about first films and the lessons learned. Again, Irrational Confidence came up. Uh, We talked about the book The Artist's Way quite a bit. She grew up Southern Baptist, so that was a a pretty big topic of conversation as well. Uh, I certainly had what I thought were some controversial COVID takes and I spent the rest of the day feeling under the weather, probably because I barely slept the night before, but I convinced myself that it was COVID and that God was punishing me for my hot COVID takes, which may be considered controversial. Um, anyway, That was a fucking joy. And I'm fine now. It was just allergies and the fact that I slept for like four hours the night prior. So enjoy my conversation with Kat Reinhardt. And thank you so much for listening. Hello? Kat. Hey, Nick. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Not much. I'm in Atlanta still. I'm going to go back to L.A. tomorrow. Uh, my doc was in a drive-in movie screening, um, so that was very COVID-rific um, and different, uh, but fun. And um, yeah, and I'm just enjoying a lazy Sunday. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm uh, covered in bug spray because I'm in my garage, and uh, I don't want to get eaten alive by mosquitoes. Um, ah. given that that's our new Los Angeles reality. Did you live in L.A. when there weren't mosquitoes? Do you remember that time? I do. I, I'm still a little confused by the mosquito thing. I feel like it just happened recently. It was yeah. very kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. That was one of like the, the dreams of L.A., the promises of L.A. were no mosquitoes eight years ago when I moved here. And then about three or four years ago, you started seeing them. And uh, yeah, anyway, it's a fucking problem. But you're you're from Atlanta, right? So there's a lot of mosquitoes there, too, huh? Yeah, Atlanta has a lot of mosquitoes. You know, that's so interesting. I guess I didn't. So I just moved. I've been living in a one bed, one bath apartment with no deck, no yard, nothing for the past four years. And then my husband and I, we just moved in July to we're still renting, but we moved and died to like a two bed, two bath house with a backyard. And so we've been like spending a lot of time outside for the first time. And I, and that's the first time I've ever noticed mosquitoes. And I remember thinking, this is weird. I didn't realize there were mosquitoes in LA, but I, I didn't think, I didn't know that it was like a new thing. I just, I just, I just was like, I guess I just never noticed this because of my, uh, I didn't have a backyard before. It's new and it's bullshit. Is it just another I mean, apocalyptic thing from, is it just more climate change? I just think that once mosquitoes are there, like once they arrive in a place, you just can't get them out. I mean, it could be climate change related. I don't really know. So you're, yeah. so you're from Atlanta. Um, yeah. 
What's it What's it like for you to be back there? I I don't know very much about Atlanta to be honest, but um, what's it like yeah. for you to be back like in your hometown with a project that you're, you know, showing? It's really cool. It's I was so excited when we got into the Atlanta Film Festival. We premiered last October at the National Film Festival, and that was great. But the Atlanta Film Festival, it seemed like it was a bigger fest, and I, I was, I'm, I've been writing a, a pilot that's like a comedy that's based in Atlanta, and I have this dream of getting to film it here one day. So I was like, oh, I'm going to meet all these Georgia based filmmakers and go to all these events and it was going to be great. And that was supposed to happen in the spring. And then because of COVID, they pushed it. And then Mm. they were like, actually, we're going to do virtual and drive in. And then the day of my drive in, um, it rained all day. So I, you know, went with some friends and my mom and it was, it was cool, but, um, I don't know. It didn't seem like there were a lot of people there. And, um, I mean, the the AJC, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which is like the big newspaper in uh, Georgia, or at least in Atlanta, they recommended my film as one of the five films to check out um, at the festival. Oh, awesome. And that, like, really cool to see, like, my name in the AJC, because I grew up reading that newspaper, so that was, like, a really cool validating experience. Um, but I think it, it would have been a better experience if it had if, if not for covid i guess that's true of everything yeah <laughs> that's right. true of everything. but um it was still really cool and i'm glad i still was even able to come i probably wouldn't have come if my if i wasn't from here and my mom i just it was really an excuse to see my mom I mean, um you know i wore an n95 mask and a face shield on the flight and then i went from the airport to a place that does rapid covid tests oh wow um I got rapid, so i got like a rapid covid test and then went and saw her um so just, you know, be cautious and not put her in danger. That's, of course, there's always a risk of that. But it's been really good to be here. I love that that is a part of every conversation that we need to have. Like, hey, I took every single precaution. I, w- I did all the I things. I, I was in a hazmat suit from the time I left my front door <laughs> till the time I arrived here. I burned all my clothes right outside the airport. Like, it's this crazy, I mean, you know. That's think- true. <laughs> But I'm sure your mother appreciates it, and I'm sure it felt really good to, you know, make sure you were taking all the precautions. Yeah. Oh, well, she was like, she. I mean, well, she's a conservative, and she watches Fox News, so Mm. she just kind of rolled around all of it. So she was like, you have to get a test. And I'm like, no, Mom, I I do. (laughs) This is, you're in your 70s. This is a thing. Right. Uh, Like, you don't know. Like, you actually don't know that this will kill you because of what they're shoving down your throat. But I'm going to, I'm here to protect you, Mom. Yeah. 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 But there is this, like, scary level of, like, I'm like, oh, gosh, I I do have to, like, say that before. And even, like, I would be places in, you know, and Atlanta's pretty open. I've gone, you know, to restaurants and stuff and mostly set outside. But, um, but then people, and I've, I've always been like, Oh, I'm visiting from California. I'm always like afraid to say that. And, and then I'll be like, but I got a COVID test as soon as I got off the flight. Oh, right. Cause they and think that we're just they, like pulsing with COVID, right? They think we're all just like COVID zombies. Well, like the rest I of the country assumed, thinks that, right? I would have assumed, but no one's really cared. Oh, I just said it. <laughs> like to make myself feel better. And Got like, it. I just, I've just said, it, I just assumed that like telling someone that you just flew in, I would think would be a cause for alarm. So, um, but no one seemed to, I just say it right. <laughs> is I, I just feel this need to, um, 
you know, and then like we pose for a picture, you take off your mask to pose for a picture. And then I'm like, maybe we should get, you know, I'm going to hold my mask in the picture just in case. So people know that I was wearing it. There's all like before I post this on, on the gram. So you're of course just concerned about put like blowback from fellow Angelinos, yeah. fellow very liberal Angelinos who will be like, you're killing everybody's grandmother by walking through the park 40 feet away from other people without a mask on. I listened to NPR this morning. Didn't you hear that thing about that one kid in that one yeah. place that died <laughs> once? Yeah. Yeah. Right. From something right. unrelated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there was like a little touch of COVID in there. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, is I, I'm like, I keep on saying, I'm like, I don't want to sound like a Republican, very liberal and very progressive and I very know. proud of that. But at the same time, I'm, I'm also like, you know, I check the news every day and like retry to track the numbers and, um, where my mom's house, the County, um, it's called County and like their cases, it, it, they're supposedly dropping and in California too, like, I don't know, we have 40 million people and I think the COVID death count is, is not that high. I mean, it's tragic, but <clears throat> considering how many people there are. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to come across as like, I'm, I'm certainly not anti-mask and I'm certainly like vulnerable people need to be protected. Like we need to, you know, slow the spread of this thing. Absolutely. Like, Right. Absolutely. But then it's also like, I don't think we're, we have no leadership and no plan. (laughs) So because of those things, it's like, well, what are we waiting for? I haven't met a single person who said they were willing to get the vaccine. So we're basically just doing a super slow, um, financially economy devastating, uh, herd immunity. Totally. Which like, which like Sweden has already <laughs> achieved simply by protecting their most. But anyway, we should probably. I'm I'm very curious yeah, about because yeah. you mentioned your mother. You mentioned she's conservative, which I did not know. But I did mm-hmm. know that you grew up Southern Baptist, and I'm extremely mm-hmm. curious about that. I have <laughs> no idea about what sort of Southern baptism is, except that my huh? assumption that it's just completely oppressive for everyone that's not white and male. <laughs> And this is not a judgment. I don't know if you're still practicing Southern Baptist. I don't know. Well, I I say my siblings will say, will claim that we were raised Southern Baptist, but my mother will be quick to say, you weren't raised Southern Baptist. You were raised Baptist in the South. Um, and I, she thinks there's a difference. I don't. Um, but, um, but it was just very... Um, I went, I went to a tiny, tiny private Christian elementary school. There was 13 kids in my class. Okay. Um, in my school, but it it was all just, there was just a big focus on like Jesus coming back soon. So there wasn't much, like I remember getting to high school and I was like, I don't know how to act (laughs) behave or like what any of this is because there's no focus on high school. It's all on, well, besides like don't have sex till you're married. It's like, don't have sex till marriage. Um, yes. Like men are the you know, run the show. Um, it was very Pence, like whatever you think Mike Pence and his wife believe, like it was that. Right. Are they like rapture Christians? Like Jesus is coming back like ASAP. Um, was it like that's impending? Like that's bearing down on us. That was my takeaway. So yes, it was impending and, um, Jesus is coming back soon. And I mean, I just remember my mother like casually, 
over breakfast saying like, you kids are going to witness the return of Jesus Christ in your lifetime. Like you're so lucky. And I hadn't been kissed by a boy yet at the time. And that I was like, Oh my God, I have to get, so I would like pray at night, every night that Jesus would like, or God, or, you know, whatever would like, uh, whomever is in charge, whomever the great yeah, would, would, um, like pause, like stop down on Armageddon <laughs> delay, <laughs> get a boyfriend. I love it. So, and get my braces off. And, uh, <laughs> just before Jesus comes back, just let me get these braces off. Cause yeah, I've heard horror that. stories about kissing with braces on. Yeah, I lived I just, one of I, those horror I, stories actually, but did you, did you get stuck? <laughs> no, not stuck. It was just like there was definitely like cutting. You know, it was like kind of uncomfortable, <laughs> a little, little <laughs> slight blood, maybe like a trickle. Oh my god, really? That's well, really I think, scary. I think both of us had braces. It was actually a really traumatic first kiss experience. Um, oh, wow. Which, yeah. Um, oh no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I'm here now. I've recovered. Um, okay. you know, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. You know, but it was, it yeah. was certainly traumatic. Anyway, so you went to public high school? No, it was still a private school, but it wasn't Christian. Got so it. I went to like a tiny, tiny private Christian school with like 13 kids until seven. Until I graduated graduated from seventh grade for some reason seventh grade was the final year hmm. that school and then i went to um a, a, actually it was like a large largely jewish high school um and so that was cool but then i just missed all the bar mitzvahs they were like you should have been here last right. year we had the greatest parties um but but yeah it was just and of course, so of course the first thing i did was like rebel as much as possible right i was like oh i'll smoke weed that'll make me cool um did it work um i feel like i no i don't know if it made me that that cool in like a one small circle i was right. cool but like the art i was like a photography i was like an art nerd i fit okay. in there you know i wasn't the theater nerd i think those were the worst ones right but i think objectively from like a you know from like the cool kids um, I, I think the, the theater ones were the, were like on the lowest and then like the art nerds were like one, one tier above that, but still very low. Right. And the cool right. factor. <laughs> were you, yeah. were you always interested in the arts? Like, did you grow up in a creative artistic family or what, what drew you to the arts? Um, I think, yes, I, I think I was always drawn to it, um, I'm in the middle of five children mm. and I think just to keep myself entertained, I would just, um, watch, right. I would make up stories and like my dad would go on business trips and come back with like these little, like he would take like the little notepad from the hotels mm-hmm. and I would use them and like, I would doodle them and like make do little like stories and illustrations and stuff. And, uh, my parents were like really good about kind of leaning into whatever each child took to. Oh, cool. So they enrolled me in like art classes after school and um, were really supportive of all of that, which, and like, I didn't get good grades, but they were like, well, you're, you're artsy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, they're they like, you're a manic pixie dream girl in training. We're just going to, we're going to lean into this somewhat. So you um, never had a but, chance of being good at math basically because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no were, interest in it. Right. Yeah. Course. But yeah. That's really impressive and awesome that they were able to like, be supportive of five children's different interests. I mean, it's a, I, I, that's dizzying. I would imagine as parents. 
Yeah, I I thought so. I appreciate it a lot now that I'm an adult. And I'm not a parent um, yet, but um, I I just watching my two nephews. I'm like, just the thought of like having to take. I can't even imagine having to take one to one thing and another to another thing, all in the same time slot, like after school. And uh, and I don't know how my mom did it, but well, that's what I, women I, are for. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you. Isn't that, isn't that the dogma? <laughs> so wait, are you still, are you still Baptist? No. Okay. No. I didn't, I, I just, I hope I wasn't disrespectful with my opening salvo into that conversation of like, oh, it's, you're good. You know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I, what I am to be honest. I will say that I, I just, <laughs> this is very California of me to go from that to what I'm about to say. And it's like one step shy of crystals, but, um, <laughs> you know, I just did the artist way. I think we talked about yeah, this. Yeah. Little, like, we talked about that the other day a little bit. Yeah. Have you done the artist way? I've not. It was in my Amazon, uh, saved for my cart for so long that it's no longer uh-huh. available from the seller <laughs> that I was going to buy it from. Um, I've heard so many great things from so many creatives that I respect on podcasts and things over the years that, you know, tell me your experience, please. So I bought it. I feel like when I first moved to LA and I was doing a lot of stand up and writing and stuff, everyone would talk about it. Like as if you were Southern about the way people talked about (laughs) Jesus in the South, did you be done the artist way? And I didn't, I thought it was just a book. I didn't realize it was like a weekly thing. It's a 12 week program. I did it in five months, but I really did in five months in like five years because I bought the book and then it sat on my floor gathering dust, literally gathering dust for years. I could, I don't even know, at least five years. Um, and then the pandemic happened and, um, I wasn't working and I was like, I guess I'll do that. I'll give this a read. And at first I was, it was like a little cheesy and I was kind of roll, you know, rolling my eyes through it, but I was like, whatever, I'll do it. And, um, by the end of it, I like by week seven, I was like on fire. I, it was awesome. And by the end of it, I like cried like tears of joy for like this one wonderful experience. It was very life changing for me. And it was kind of annoying at first. Cause it was like, Oh, you're, you're like healing. You're an art, you're oh, creative recovery. Right. She, she uses this term creative recovery. And I was like, I don't like this term. I don't think I have anything to recover from. And then by the end of it, I was like, I'm recovered. <laughs> um, well, one thing that was really, really hit home for me, um, was she goes into this idea of like, um, a toxic God and like, you know, the great creator, like it is a little, it could, you could be Christian in it, like, and do it and it line up with your beliefs or you can be any other right. religion or religious and it's still like, you can like kind of pinch and you can make it work for you. Sure. But because she talked a lot about like, oh, a talk is your, do you have a, like a toxic God? And, and I realized that I do. And I remember when I was growing up, I was like, oh, I, it's a big, you were, we're always supposed to like pray that like God's will be done. And I was like, well, I want to be like a filmmaker and a writer and do these things. And there's no way that like God wants me to do those things. So I'm never going to pray that God's will be done in my life. Huh. Um, because I was afraid of what would happen. And I thought it was going to be something bad. Huh. How, that, like I didn't want it. That was going to be like dragged, kicking, screaming, 
into this God's will. And then this book was very much like God's will for you is to create God's creative and like retrain your brain like around this toxic. And so it really like, I, I can't remember everything, but it it really helped me because I was like, I have this view of God as this like angry old white man who doesn't want the best for me. And now that's how he's always, I mean, that's how he's always depicted. Right. So, I mean, no matter what denomination you grow up in, in Christianity, like it's always an angry old white bearded man. Right. And, but, and now I, yeah. And that comes from nothing. I remember reading somewhere, like someone said, uh, there's no white people in the Bible. No. And I was like, that's so true. There's no white people in the Bible. And you tell that to like um, the Mike Pence people and they'll, <sighs> they'll, their heads will explode. Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll just like, try yeah. and control your body in some right. other way. Well, yeah. <laughs> Instantly. I mean, Jesus was white. Jesus was the only white person in um, Jerusalem. I don't know if you knew that. Totally. Yeah. They were all brown skinned people except for Jesus Christ, <laughs> our Lord and Savior. No, I mean, thy will be done is the end of the Our Father, right? I mean, that's like, yeah. that's like a part of the, the yeah. prayer. I mean, I grew up yeah. Catholic. Okay. Um, so, that own hot mess of issues. I yeah. didn't have any. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, I mean, no, I was not, I, I wasn't touched, you know, in an inappropriate way. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy to hear that. I don't think every single Catholic. Sorry, that was me clapping a mosquito. I don't think every single Catholic was molested. And I think I think there's actually, I don't know, I still resonate with Catholicism in a lot of ways, but like that, I don't know, that, that, that shame, I think of like, you'll, you know, I don't, I'm not worthy that it's, it's more like I'm not worthy of the things that I want. And God certainly doesn't want those things for me. God, right. See, I didn't have the, I'm not worthy, the Catholic shame thing. I've, I've only heard about that. I didn't okay. experience that. There was a lot of shame around like being a woman in my body. And it was like up to me to make sure that like, m- like if a, if a male like lusts after you as a female, like that is a hundred percent your responsibility and your fault. Right. And, um, not, you know, like it all falls on the women and the women, like there's nothing about like, how sex should ever be like enjoyable. It's always just like these boys that are trying to get that from the girls. And but we women have to like be the good ones. And so there's a lot of shame around your body hmm. that there was other, but, but, but there was no shame around like, Oh, you don't deserve these things. It's, it's very much like, I feel like the Christians, especially like Christians in the time of Trump are very much like, we deserve all the things totally. <laughs> we get all. the, and, and we're the only ones who deserve them. And we're the only ones who deserve them. Absolutely. It's yeah. Crazy. But now I, I started referring to God as in the female. Um, uh, and that was like really fun and helpful. And now like I picture, so I started like praying to God again in the art and way, like the artist way, like guided and suggested. And I picture God as this like warm, loving, like female, like motherly, um, encouraging, creative, like presence and it's wonderful and I don't know exactly what I believe I don't know if I buy like the big bang theory but I also don't buy that the earth is only 2,000 years old so it's like I don't know like I'm kind of like pushed in these different directions based on how I was raised and but then I think science of course should take <laughs> it's like what key I don't know I'm just it's um it's a mess but the artist way was really wonderful <laughs> no it's great I would I, I'm definitely interested yeah. in it and the thing is about those like 
revered books that everybody's always talking about. It's like, even though I think it, it just seems like buzzy and just a thing for people to talk about, I've always found that every time I actually do one of those things, it really works. Like when I do it from zero to completion, as it sounds mm-hmm. like the artist way really worked for you. Um, Mm-hmm. And so maybe I'll maybe I'll finally do it. But. Yeah. Well, I lived in New York for ten years, you know, and I've been rejected a lot, pretty much, almost exclusively rejected in my like quote unquote career. And so I think I'm pretty like cynical. I don't think I I don't know if I'll say I'm bitter. I try to stay pretty positive. I'm not bitter, but I I'm definitely cynical. And like so stuff like the artist way is very hard for me to swallow, especially in the beginning. I was like, this is just too fucking weird and cheesy. And like some of the assignments she has you do, it's like write a letter to your artist child and there's stuff like that. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? But I just, I did it. I did it. I did it. And it was, I'm telling you week seven, week eight, I was like, I was like, Oh, it was like, it was like this awakening. It was like a cleanse. Yeah, it sounds, I mean, it sounds super cathartic, super therapeutic. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of anything that mines our histories and our pasts and like the plums, the depths of our souls to sort out, you know, what's fucking us up and how we can, you know, I (laughs) mean, really that's, I, I feel like it's a lifelong pursuit to, to iron out the things that are mangling us, mangling our souls. Um, yeah. And I think that we have to be like so much more careful now. I'm trying to be like really careful about like screen time because that's so dangerous. Like speaking of souls, like yeah. time on your phone and time on like in, in front of screens, I think is like soul sucking mm-hmm. and a lot of evidence uh, that shows that I don't think that's, that's not even up for debate. It's just hard to look away, but so like, especially in this time of like where our brains are so fried and scattered and like so hard to like focus attention on anything anymore, like because of how quickly things come at us, I, I think it's like good to do these little exercises to um like check back in. Yeah. Also getting out into nature. I mean, of course, with your mask on and your plastic shield <laughs> on and <laughs> your bee suit on. Um, but no, I mean, just getting away from the digital infrastructure and reconnecting, you know, with Mother Earth, which I feel like was the image that I had in my mind when you were describing the the God that you pray to, you know, it's like the interconnectedness for me, at least of everything in the universe and, and yeah. Mother nature and all those things and the way that the mosquito yeah. that I just tried to kill is made up from the same <laughs> cells as I am, you know? Um, <laughs> right. But tell me about, tell me about believing in yourself. Tell me about self doubt and tell me about how you push through that stuff. I mean, how you're just coming off your film being in a, in a festival, which I would imagine is, is has to provide a little bit of a boost to your self-worth um, how do you do with that stuff? Cause I'll tell you my, I, I fight through self-hatred and self-doubt and excruciating self-judgment every day. 
Sure. My thing is, is that my like crushing self-doubt comes way later when it's like too late in the game to stop. But I have this like insane confidence. I think you have to be confident to the point of like stupidity. But um, I do like, I think I'm like this genius writer, filmmaker, director, and just, just no one else knows it yet. And I'm like convinced. And so it was like, I really thought I was like, I deserve to make this movie. Like the, the film that was in the film festival was a documentary I made. Um, before that, I actually, I shot the doc first, but then I didn't finish the edit. And then after I shot the doc, I got a little bit of funding for do a super low budget rom-com mm-hmm. that I wrote in director. And that was my first go to feature. And I was like, this is going to premiere at Sundance. The New York Times is going to write an article about how the rom-com is back and, Kara Reinhardt single-handedly brought this back and like, I was gonna, it was gonna be this, I, you know, here's what I'm gonna wear on the red carpet at the, or the Oscars. Well, I was like, I really thought, I actually thought both, I was like, I'm gonna have my rom-com, which is called Brand New Old Love, my documentary, which is called What's Eating Raw Fumate. I was like, these are both gonna premiere the same year at Sundance and people are gonna be like, wow, this like female director has two feature films, a narrative and a documentary. How cool is she? And like, I had all these big plans. And and then I like made the movie, Brand New Old Love. And then I was like, what the fuck? This movie sucks. <laughs> Uh, I've heard you say this movie sucks before and I find it hilarious that this is your current takeaway. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say that out loud. My producer would be very mad at me. Another, I remember another producer being like, never disparage your own film. And I'm sure that that's good advice. And I'm so sorry. I hope my producer never, I don't mean that And a hundred percent only things that I did wrong. Everyone else was, was wonderful. I had an amazing team. The filming, like every day on set was phenomenal. I loved it. Like, and the cast was amazing. Like I had Arturo Castro and I cash mm-hmm. Josh Brenner, like um, Brian Doyle Murray. It, it's like, it was just a dream. It was amazing. It was so cool. And like, it was a fun, exciting set. Um, and I was like, this is awesome. This is gonna be great. And then like, you know, I got to edit it and then I was like, what is that? Like I made, it was mistakes I made. But, sure. But I think all but, those things can be true at the same time. Like I think it could be an amazing cast and an amazing crew and an amazing set experience. And I think there could be all this positivity. And then in retrospect, you could be like, damn, this isn't that good. Like this was my first go at this thing and it's not great. Like that's, I think that that's a fine and fair assessment and, you know, I understand you wouldn't want a producer to be like, you know, we shit the bed, but. Well, it's just like by the, I can't even like the third act to me, the third act is, I think there's really cute parts. And I think the third act I'm, I'm like embarrassed. I'm like, what, how did I, and I'm like, why didn't I wish I had like done more. And, 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 you know, I made so many mistakes, but a big thing I've thought about a lot since I wrote a movie that I thought, I remember like when I wrote the script, I was like, I want this to be cool. I want to be like one of the guys. I want guys to think I'm funny and cool. And um, it's like, girls suck. Like we're living, like we're not fun. Like we're just behind. I don't know. I just had all these like. Where do you think that comes from? (laughs) I'm sure that has to do with like 
being real. Like I'm sure that's like deep seated, like misogyny from my upbringing probably. But I just had this like desire. I remember like a friend of mine read the script and he, and he said, I couldn't even tell it was written by a woman. And that was like a huge compliment to me. And I was like, Oh my God, I have, I was so flattered. I was like, this is ready to go shoot. And the film that I'm writing now, I'm like, it is so, I would think it would be obvious to anyone that it was like, that it's deeply, deeply personal. And like, it's certainly something that like the writer lives through. Right. And so it's like my, and I, I want women to be like, yeah, like about certain, but now I'm writing from like, I'm writing something for myself instead of like trying to be cool, like for other people. Right. And I, so that was like a really big mistake. And I don't think I could learn that another way. But at the same time I do. And I've said this, I just felt like I was the only first time film. I feel like every other first time filmmaker goes to Sundance or, and then like wins an Oscar. And like, I was, I just felt everybody like else except you, every single other person who's made a first <laughs> film has gone to Sundance and then won Oscars and then gotten like first look deals and their career's been set. You're the only one. You're the only failure. Yeah. I'm the only, and then they get a Marvel movie. Right. Exactly. Uh, the only thing that like helped, one of the like the most healing things for me through after all of it was this um this Ira Glass quote mm-hmm. and I'm gonna summarize it but you can find it that it was he was just like for artists and creatives it's it's we have this the level of our taste we have this like really good we have good taste and then we want to make things that match our level of taste and then we get confused at first we're not good right and we get confused because we're like well how come this thing I'm making isn't to the level of my taste right and he said the only thing that only volume closes the, that gap. Right. And that's why I was able to like sleep at night after that. Cause I was like, Oh, cause that's, I was, con- I was, it was so confusing to me that Brandon World Love wasn't what I thought, what that what Brandon World Love wasn't to the level of my taste. That was sure. really confusing for me. And then I was like, okay, I just have to keep making bad stuff. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a few things there. Like every, every filmmaker that I revere, I've always heard basically say, get the bad ones out of your system, write the bad movies, make the bad movies. The only way you're going to improve is by making bad shit basically. But if you, if you think that your first one is going to be your masterpiece and you work on that first one forever, that first one is still going to be shit in some way or not the pinnacle of your achievement. So you just, it's just getting the bad ones out of your system. It's getting the bad scripts out of your system. It's, it's learning its craft. Um, but also what you were saying, like writing your truth is always going to resonate with other people because it's real and it's true and it's honest. If you're writing something that you find rewarding, it will not matter if it ever gets made, if it ever gets published, if it ever turns into, it won't matter because the process of you creating that will be so therapeutic and so cathartic and you will grow so much as a human being that that process will have been worth it. And it sounds like that's kind of where you're at right now with this new project. I think so. Like I, I would have, there's, I would have done everything differently now with brain and love, but like the only way you can know that you would do everything differently is to do everything that 
first way. Right. But then at the same time, like, I hear this in the Ira Glasgow, what you just said, but then I'm like, what? Okay. But like all the filmmakers I revere, they don't have bad, like where's their, where are their ter- shitty first movies? They're just not <laughs> out there. They're, n- their first they're, movies are good too. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Who though? Who yeah, didn't I mean, fuck up like in film think. school or who didn't like, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. But Give like, me an example. But by the time they got a first feature, by the time they got a first feature, they were like, you know, um, I just feel like they all, I just feel like very few of them, and maybe I just don't know this, but very few of them it's have like a, a, a bad first movie that premiered at like a lower tier, low tier festival. And right. then like, but I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but I feel like the big ones that everyone talks about, like, where's their bad movie? I don't, I don't know. know. I would have to read some more bios. I'm really trying to get away. Sincerely though, I'm really trying to get away from that. Like, oh, yeah, don't cause do I just it. keep getting older and older. So if I'm like, okay, well, five years ago I was like, okay, who's made it, who made it after they were 31, who made it as a such and such, like who's the most famous person that became famous after the age of 31, you know, and year by year by year, you just like tick off the people who you can no longer <laughs> become until you're like, Oh, right. All right. Well, maybe I'll just embrace like being me. And hopefully this leads to somewhere that I find satisfying and rewarding as a human being. Because that comparison shit is fucking crazy. I mean, it's it's crippling. That is like so that hits home for me. So I do that. So to Oh my God, I do that so much. Like I've Googled such random weird shit, you know, like when did Liam Neeson get his first million, you know, like the weirdest fucking shit. I've done that with everyone. And then it's, it's like, how old were they when they first like got this and this? And then like every director, every filmmaker, I'm like, how old are they now? How old were they then? And like, they're always younger and I'm always devastated. And you're right. There's no point to that. Um, a good one is Stan Lee, by the way. Oh, did he, is he uh, an example of uh, someone who made it late? Yeah, really late, really late. So that was that's always a good one. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's good to know. But, I'll keep yeah. that one in my back pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I'm with you. Like, um, yeah, I I do that. I do that. So and it's so, and then I, it's just so bad. Everybody's and journey's I, their own, man. Like seriously, I, I think the sooner that people are able to embrace that everybody's journey is a singular and unique experience and stop comparing to other people i mean unless you know it's kobe and michael jordan like (laughs) i only say that because rest in peace kobe but to be able to imitate someone to that degree that you you know perfect what they did before you it's like i don't know man but even he was his own person i don't know sorry to bring basketball into this i know it's a super weird left turn um no i was just watching um the last dance oh cool i still haven't seen it i'm really excited for it but i still haven't seen it oh it's it's i mean it's it's obviously wonderful it's really good 10 episodes man so fucking many episodes so many hours any like big commitment i mean that's not even a big commitment like a big commitment is like you know eight seasons of game of thrones or whatever but like oh man (laughs) i mean i think this is just me getting into my complaints about having no time but i i do really want to check out the last dance i mean i grew up michael jordan was an idol growing up i was a huge basketball fan and still am um 
Oh, and yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you definitely have to watch it at some point. But, um, but I mean, yeah, you have two young children. I don't, I, I, I <laughs> I've witnessed that from afar, and it, there's no time. It's crazy. It's like this thing of like, I need to squeeze every last drop out of every moment that I can. So. When the kids are finally asleep at seven thirty, eight o'clock, it's like, okay, well, I yeah. think I can be up till eleven thirty. I should probably spend some time with my wife connecting for, you know, an hour, whatever that is, however long it is on any given night. And then it's like, okay, mm-hmm. now I gotta finish cleaning up the kitchen and now my choice can be to journal for a little bit, to work on this podcast, to write to work on a screenplay, but like I need to literally squeeze the juice out of every moment that I have. Um, you know, and mm. I want to be writing and now I've created a podcast as this diversion from screenwriting, um, <laughs> because I'll make endless, <laughs> endless excuses right. for myself to not do the thing. Um, yeah. Um, well, you just have to get really rich. Well, yeah. Uh, you don't just don't have a day job. That's the secret. <laughs> who did that? How, wh- where's the model for how to do that? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. Well, you know what's interesting? So I I have like a writing coach. I meet with her oh, cool. once a week. That's been really helpful. It's just accountability is really good. Right. But we were talking, you know, but I always like, I always like share these deep fears about how, oh, I'm too old. I'm getting too old. Everyone's like younger than me. Like all these 20 somethings are making features and getting to Sundance and then getting Marvel movies. And I'm being left behind, you know, the same thing. Like, like you're saying, I'm Googling like all these people. Like, and then she was like, you know, all those people who, did most of them, not all, but like 9.9 out of 10, those people had like family money right? and they didn't have or to family have a connections, job. dude. Or like, family connections. yeah. Which is why a lot of them are white. Yes. Um, why we have like the, 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 the race issue in Hollywood, I think, because you have to be able to, you have to be able to afford to do an internship or right. an entry level, like be an, some entry level, like PA on like whatever and get 15 bucks an hour. And I, when I was, I paid, I paid for my film school and I went to Brooklyn college and the whole time I was waitressing. But if I had had like family money, I could have like not waitress and done like internships and then like gone and like, if I didn't have like this crazy rent I had to pay for and someone else would pay yeah. my rent, I could have like gone and been like an, an assistant to the director or the writer yep. and then like worked my way up that way. And like a lot of people do that and yep. um, that's great. They're able to, but it's like hard to not be really jealous I know. of like you got that opportunity. But so I think people that if you have to work and have to like pay your bills and have a day job, I think the reality is it just, it's going to take a little longer yep. and that's why like you do have to, like you're saying, not compare to other people's careers and just just make your shit happen. Do you want to direct a Marvel movie? I mean, is that a dream? I think that's the second time you've mentioned it, so I'm wondering like oh, is that is so that an, is that an aspiration or is that just like you know? I don't know if that's a personal I mean, I think it'd be really fucking cool. Would it? But but then I don't I don't know. No, I mean, the kind of movies that I want to make are a little more nuanced than a Marvel movie. <laughs> oh, really? But, I wouldn't have suspected. Yeah. I thought you just wanted to make Alita Battle Angel too. <clears throat> um, no, I mean, I just it just seems like it's the crowning achievement today. I guess. It, 
So it's like that's the bar, I guess. I don't but know. I mean, for whom? Other people, I guess everyone else. So it's like good comes back to like, why do I care what everyone else? Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Thanks. So, yeah, I don't know. No, I guess I I don't. I think it'd be I think it would be cool, but I also think it would take up years. I think that it's just a really good I think it's just a really good shiny object to hold up and be like, "Oh my fucking god, these other people get to do this thing that's like apex yeah. of this business and I'm still like struggling to even crank out this next script or whatever it is, like or to get this thing made and it's like Eh, fuck them. Yeah. Who cares? Let them make the fucking Marvel movies. Who gives a fuck? You can write the thing that really resonates with you, and then right. when the right people find it and connect with it, you'll be able to, you know, be in pursuit of what you really want earnestly. Yeah, I guess it comes down to like this weird um, desire to like be so special or unique that it's like breaking some kind like oh the, i want to be the first woman to do something it used like right. something even when i was a kid i was like i want to be the first female to play on the atlanta braves that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> and then i got a little older and i was like i'm gonna be the first female director to win an Oscar and then Catherine Bigelow. And then I'm like, I'm going to be the first. And I don't know why it matters. And it, it the, the, short, the thing is, it doesn't matter right. that I don't know why. And I think I'm, it's like, Oh, I want to be the woman who makes like the movie that is the first or the most, this or the most that, or does this X, Y, Z thing that matters for five seconds. And I don't know why I think that's like a, just a, my middle child syndrome, like right. going haywire right. and, uh, but, <laughs> but it just, but it, or being compet my competitiveness, but like, it's just, that was the artist way was actually really good for that too, because we do have these things of like, Oh, we're too old. Or like, there's not a, there's not enough room at the table for another. I'm sure even like, it's like, I, I feel like as a, a white man, there's probably a lot of like, fear of like no one wants to like they're we're, like we're push you know we're trying to make room at the table for these other people um and then it's like there's oh. still plenty of room for white men i'm no i know i know there is but do you ever have that concern no because i know that like there's still sorry i'll let you finish your question no no you're good no i think that's wonderful but i had to have the artist way be like and even this like meditation I was doing with her, like the, the illusion of competition, like there's always another story to be told. And like, there's always more room. Like there's, there's room for everyone. That's the thing. I think that if I like authentically tell whatever story it is, like my, if I come from a place of authenticity and honesty, like it won't matter how society is shifting to include more voices by all means, include more authentic, real voices from all avenues yeah. of life. And that will just continue to open up my lane for my authentic voice to be heard while it squeezes out, you know, the people who are writing a genre movie that combines these three movies all together. And it's this movie. And it's like, that's not yeah. fucking real or authentic. Right. Um, yeah. I'm not that's shitting wonderful. on those people at all. You that's know? wonderful that you have that mentality. I think your, your head, because headspace is so important in such a cutthroat industry. So it sounds like you have a good 
headspace. I mean, like, I, I, most- I'm saying it. I'm saying it to convince myself right now. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I'm on like page 17 of a script that I'm writing. Every every page is fucking agonizing. Like if I could t- apply this to actually <laughs> if I could gather some of that confidence, that irrational confidence that. You know, I've heard mm-hmm. people speak of that you alluded to earlier, like, and just sit down and like, just start putting words on a page and like believing in myself as the words are coming out. Like, here's an example. And I wonder if, if, if this is resonant with you at all, but I have this mm-hmm. like, so I'm always concerned about cliche and originality and I'm always concerned that someone's going to be like, oh, that's so fucking obvious. Yeah, of course, blah, blah, blah. So I have like this pathological mm-hmm. obsession with not being obvious. And then what I do is I'll make choices that are way too obscure and people don't understand at all. So like right now I'm writing a screenplay and I was like, and this is just one little fucking example that got in my way for like an hour. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, this guy's definitely got a Ramones poster on his wall. And then I was like, mm-hmm. no, dude, that's obvious. Like, of course he has a fucking Ramones poster on as well. Everybody had, I was like, well, okay, it needs to be like an MC5 poster or like a <laughs> Susie and the Banshees poster. And like, mm-hmm. but then you get into this thing of like, wait a second, is that, is that my shit? And I'm worried about being too up because now I'm creating a character who's also, it's, it's, I, I don't know if this, I'm a lunatic when it comes to this type of shit. I think that's awesome that you, I mean, you have to like, oh, you just have the artist way. For, so if you think, first, did you just, did you just the, recommend the artist way again? Sorry, you broke up a little I bit. I did. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Because like, um, she talks about how like um, perfectionism gets in the way because like you can't move on to the next page and like right. writing is rewriting, right? So like right. just write the fucking Ramones right. poster or write, why can't you just write like obscure punk band? Right. In brackets. Or, like, yeah. Obscure, yeah. The most, no, not even in brackets. In the stage direction, like, right. Like, you know, the wall is littered. The most cool, the coolest, most obscure punk punk band posters you've never heard of. Right. And, uh, you know, and then the, and then the, the reader gets it completely. And, um, and then you can move on. Right, but then you've gotten your point across and you can move on. You're not creating another hurdle that's going to cripple you for hours or days or, you know, you're going to find yeah. an, I mean, that'll happen and then I'll find another diversion and won't get back to the screenplay for like three days or something because like... Yeah, but you just have to trust that like it's going to... Oh, this was like one of the most helpful lines for me, the artist way was um, you're like, just trust your, your movie, your film already exists. Right. Um, it's already completely written. You're just... um. You're just, you're just, we're just writing it down. Like it already exists. Right. So for me, that was really helpful. Cause when I get like bogged down where I'm like, this isn't going where this sucks, this scene, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh, you know, this is already, this already exists. So I'm just going to trust. And like, I'm just going to write whatever. And then I'll come back and revisit it later. And, uh, it's going to be 15 different posters before you're <laughs> done with the script. Totally. So just give it one for now and move on. That's so, that's so good of like, you're, it's already in existence. You're just sort of letting these words come through you that already yeah. exist. Yeah. That's, that's the artist way. And it's so, I think I'm going to read so, this fucking artist way, man. You got, I was like super, I was like really having trouble writing in draft. I can, so I'll do like an outline first. Okay. Yeah. I was and curious I can, about that. So that's your first thing outline. Yeah. outline. Well, I, I, I walk, I walk and I listen to music and I watch the whole thing in my head. Right. 
And, um, but then I, the first thing I do is outline like three page outline. Um, and then I work on that a bit and then I go into three page. So that's just like, is it like beat or is it like prose? It's, it's no, it's, it's like my writing coach calls it a laundry list. Okay. Or like a grocery list, shopping list. Okay. Um, you know, this happens. I could even, I'm happy to like send you one of mine if you want to, if you're just curious. I'll always take a new tool. Yeah, absolutely. Much appreciated. Um, yeah, sure. Um, just remind me, but yeah, um, I just do an, an outline and I work on that for a while and, um, and then I'll go into draft and then of course everything changes in draft, but I was really, really struggling to write in draft, but I would just, and I'll go back to the outline and then I would take, make note, you know, I have a text edit like document tons of things. And then I would go back and forth between those things and just not really write in draft. And then, um, and the artist way really helped me like, so then I, after do, after that, like, oh, it already exists. There are no mistakes. There's this and this, just all these really helpful lines that to some people are probably platitudes, but to me were, it's like really helpful and like deeply meaningful. I needed to hear, I was just, I was able to just like open up my script and just write a scene anywhere. I was like, doesn't matter. Like, I just like, was like, oh, I'm on page 80. I know that I want this scene to happen. I just wrote the scene there. Right. And then later when I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, this scene doesn't go here, but now I know where it goes, but at least it's written. And, uh, it just, yeah, it's just, I think the artist way really helped me, um, not be like bogged down and overthink, but there is this like, there's a lot of like, you're not, you're not trying to think something up. You're just, you're, you're right. You're getting something down. You're the conduit for the thing that already exists. You're not like, Oh, I got to figure this out right now. Yeah. You're the conduit through it. Yeah. You're the conduit for the thing that already exists. Right. And that was like, and then, and then I was like, Oh, I can trust. Now I can trust. So you don't even need confidence. Right. (laughs) You have to show up at the gate. Right. It's really about showing up to work. I mean, I feel like this always, it always comes back to that. It's just like, Open the laptop, open the document, sit there. Eventually the words are going to come and they always fucking do. I think they that, always do. I think that for me, I mean, then this is like my therapy. I mean, this is why I'm in, the, you know, it's like, this is the shit that I'm always working through. It's like, I have, I, I have such, so much self doubt and I have such a fear of not being good enough. I mean, I just, I think that I'm just so worried to share a thing that's not good enough or not up to somebody's standards. And like, there's just this like fear of failure that wouldn't even come to pass until seven steps from now in the process that I, you know what I mean? Like, like somebody's not going to tell me I'm, I'm not good enough until it's in an exec's hands after I've fucking written it, like you got to fucking put the words on the page, but I think I can just jump ahead to those roadblocks Mm -hmm. and just keep building them. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm getting better. Like I have been just like, all right, I'm just going to fuck everybody's asleep. I'm, this is it. I have an hour. I'm opening the laptop. And like, that will often mean that I open the, the text edit doc and just like journal about it for a little bit. And like, that's actually really been helping to like, okay, I know what, kind of needs to happen in the scene, but I don't know the fucking specifics because I, I want to write good dialogue and I want to like describe things in a way that's resonant. But, but sometimes I need to do that in prose first before I could just do it in, you know, in final draft. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like everyone, I think everyone's process is different. Anything that's like 
anything where you're moving forward um, is good, even if it's not in draft. Um, I didn't write for years because I would be like, for a long time, I'd be like, I have to finish this draft tonight. Right. Like this insane goal. And I would open up the script and then I would be like, and I kind of thumb through it and I'd be like, this, that's too much. I can't finish it tonight. And then I would get overwhelmed and close it. Right. And now I'm like, it does, I'm just going to write, I'm just going to, I'm like, just, just going to work on this for an hour. Right. Even like 10 minutes, just something to kind of like, just like, you know, show up at the page and that's forward momentum. Forward, and that's like really made a big difference. And then this is another thing. I think you, oh my God, you just have to do it the artist way. But there was another thing that was really helpful in the artist way for me. And I think this would help you too. Are you getting royalties? I know. <laughs> I think she has enough. I don't know. No, I, I appreciate I it. I really do. I appreciate it. This is like the, a, yeah. a huge push to just fucking do the artist way. But anyway, go ahead. Um, but give, yeah, give it time. It really was like week seven that we started changing these. But, um, the, so for me, like, I'm so hard on myself, like, oh, I should have so much more done. I should have more films made. I should have a TV show and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, you know, I didn't work. Like, the pandemic, we're both editors by trade. And the pandemic hit. I I would sit home on March 20th um, with That's no work inside. And I was like, well, this is a great opportunity for me to finish this script. Right. And then, you know, May, June, July, August, September, like, months go by. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I, I, and I haven't finished the script. And so I'm so mad at myself for like wasting this time that I had to write where I didn't have a day job. And like, how could I have like not, um, finished this script? Like how come I, I worked on it, but I didn't finish it. Right. And I was just really, really mad at myself for that. And the artist way <laughs> said this line that was, um, that said to don't, if you focus on the product, your, your artist's life will seem barren. Right. If you focus on process, it's an adventure. Right. So like just, so just write every day a little bit yeah. and don't worry about the product. Yeah. And that was really helpful. So, and that really helped me write because I was so mad at myself that I wasn't completing this product that it was like yep. preventing me from completing the product. And now I'm like, well, I just work on it a little every day. I'm closer every day to actually getting there. Yeah. You have to fall in love with the process. I think, I mean, cause if you're not, really? it's, it's such a toil, any, like any creative pursuit that will ultimately result in hopeful monetary gain is such a toil and it's such hard work. I mean, art is hard, dude. And like, you need to love doing it. If you're just doing it for the ends, it's, it's hollow. It's empty. And like, my thing is always preaching process over product, even as I Mm -hmm. produce nothing, but like, But I do produce things. I mean, I have songs that I wrote at the beginning of the pandemic that are on SoundCloud. Now I'm doing this podcast and I have pages that I'm writing. And like, I am actually pushing forward. Maybe I should give myself a little fucking more credit instead of just shitting all over myself constantly. But like, it is about the process. And like, I've actually had that hang up with collaborators where I'm like, dude, I am not worried about putting this out into the world. I just need to finish this and put it out into the world. And then whatever comes next, be damned. Like, sure, we'll change it or we'll move on to the next thing. Like, whatever, whatever. Like, I've always just wanted to, like, turn and burn and move through projects. And now I find myself sometimes, you know, getting in my own way of even 
writing another page because I'm worried about what the product's going to be. I got to read the fucking artist way, obviously. I hope you are getting a lot of money for this appearance. <laughs> I just, <laughs> to me, it was just all these things that you're saying, I think we all go through and the artist way resonates because we're, we all, we all feel these same things and we just, we just need a mother figure, godlike <laughs> yeah. woman to, hold just pick us up and hold us and tell us it's going to be okay right and uh and that's part of the process too oh one more thing that was actually really helpful for me yeah um was um the uh david mamet uh master class oh cool very very good um he's such a character and um that was really good too. I also like watched that during the pandemic and took a ton. And I did a bunch of the other master classes, but that one was far and away the best. It's the only one I even remember. Awesome. Um, and uh, I did like pretty much all the not to there the other ones are wonderful in their own way, but I got the most for me personally. I got the way more out of that one than the other ones. But um, but uh, he. It's just funny. And then one of one of the things he said that I thought was funny was my wife will be like, how's writing going? And he'll be like, one day I'll be like, this is the dumbest thing. And this is the biggest piece of shit. I can't believe I think I can be a writer. And the next day I think this is the greatest thing ever. And that back and forth is like so typical of anything he's writing. And, and it sounds like, I'm sure you feel like that too. I, I, I'm a garbage person or I'm a God, basically I'm a human trash or, um, Scorsese. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but like if we, if we could just find the middle of that, you know, I'm neither human trash nor Scorsese. I'm just me yeah. doing this thing right now and it's okay. Well, don't even judge it. Right. The, that's the thing too is like, um, you just, just, just show up at the page, just write a little every day and don't, it's not even up to you to judge it. Right. So like you're not Scorsese or human garbage. You're just, you know, Nick Romolini trying to fucking <laughs> write a screenplay, trying to fucking yeah. tell a story. So when you're work, do you work on multiple projects at once or are you like very, very single minded? Like one, one I'm writing one thing. Cause I, one of the things I'm running into is like, I feel pulled in a lot of different directions in my mind. Like I keep thinking about this movie. That's a high school movie that also ties into my friend who's an Iraq war veteran. And I'm thinking about this other movie about, you know, my cousins who there's like a lot of addiction and suicide and stuff. And then I'm thinking about this other movie that I'm writing. That's about siblings. And like, Uh (laughs) it's hard for me to focus my energy. I think in one place sometimes. So do you just pick one thing and run with it? Um, I, I do multiple things at a time, but I don't know. I don't know if that's good because it, I don't, I'm, I was just saying how bad I am at getting things finished. Right. But, um, I try to focus. So I have like a, a long list of tele like TV pilots shows and films that I'm like meaning to write, wanting to write, um, but the, but for the past year, I've been mostly working on one TV show pilot and then this one feature. And, um, I go back and forth on them. Okay. Um, kind of will depend on the day. It'll depend on what's going on. Um, sometimes I'll try to give like something the week. Um, but it, 
um, having a writing coach has really helped with that though. Cause it's, it's like, we're working on this this week. I'm going to send you the pages for this and we're going to talk about it. Right. She'll give me notes. And then it's like, okay, so I'm going to like, let that kind of percolate or whatever, and then go work on this other thing. And, um, so, but I don't know. I don't know if that's advisable. No, I mean, <laughs> that, that's, that makes I, sense though. I mean that the, the accountability I think too, from having a writing coach sounds awesome. I mean, I, I, a friend of mine, was saying that the real benefit of having a manager is somebody to answer to and somebody who's actually going to set realistic goals for you. Because if you're setting your own goals, you know, it can be impossible. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's what's, yeah, it's basically, it's a personal trainer. Right. And we just, it's, it's definitely really helpful. Um, but yeah, just someone to answer to. Absolutely. Um, but so I just, but I'll like write down like, okay, so these are my goals for this month to work on these and then for this week and then this day right and i break it down like that but a lot of times i miss my goals i mean i've been like and that's okay and that's okay it's fine yeah but there's there's really like two there's actually a third project i'm writing with a partner and i was like oh i'll give that every sunday but then we flaked on the past three sundays (laughs) um um, and then i'm like next week we'll start um (laughs) with michael i've i've flaked um but uh, I spent like four years off and on editing What's Eating Rafi May right. documentary that is finally done. And that was like kind of stagnating. And I feel like that. So I would get, I would work, you know, 10 hours a day as an editor and then go home and like edit Jesus. all night and then edit on weekends. And that, but like kind of being in that place where I was only working on this one thing, I felt like kind of felt sort of barren. Like I think it, I almost think it's sometimes more fun and exciting to have multiple projects. It's all like, especially if you start looking, looking at them as fun and as play. Totally. And like, I try to think of writing now as like an adventure and like a little bit of like a rebellion. Right. So it's all play. So it's just, what, what do I, what toy do I feel like playing with today is where I'm trying to get in my head with it. I also think that, there's almost no such thing as writer's block if you have multiple projects because if you're writing your pilot and you feel like you don't know what to do next, you could just maybe switch gears and work on your feature or if you're cutting your doc, you know, you can move to cutting the doc. Like I think or if you're if you want to like I don't know, write a song or something like what just move the creative energy somewhere else just to keep it flowing because <laughs> I think the biggest thing is if that sort of valve gets shut off that's when mm-hmm. the problems happen so if you're like oh, i'm gonna absolutely. fucking go do a watercolor painting right now or something you know what i mean yeah absolutely that's that's a really good point just to keep i think that moving. makes a lot of sense there's also a good thing with like setting deadlines for just like um looking for like scholarships or uh, not um like com- like like oh this blacklist like pilot competition or right. this screenwriting competition or whatever um or like getting into this like writing intensive like and you know the submission deadline is this date and they want a pilot or they want a feature for this so that's also helpful because it's like oh well uh, that this project works for that and here's the deadline right and um that that can be helpful and i do that a lot and i've I've always i've only been rejected but um (laughs) and then but just also which can be soul crushing and it goes back to your like confidence thing 
But then I'm just like, oh, well, they just don't know what they, they don't know. What they, I'm, but then I'm still like, this is good. I still, I still am like, oh, this thing I submit is good. It just isn't ready yet. I, I th- that's awesome that you have that point of view. Cause I, I would be like, well, <laughs> the, I'm, I'm going to submit it and I'm not going to fucking get in and I'm going to be pissed off and then I'm going to have more people to add to the list that I'm angry at <laughs> and who I'm going to get revenge on ultimately with my crushing success. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, but like that can't be a barrier barrier to entry like that's so smart that you use it as like um a catalyst to actually complete something as opposed to like oh fuck this thing's bearing down on me or like uh i'm scared to do that because i'm not even going to get into it um and then you know it's that whole like well what are people going to think of me and you know your self-worth being wrapped up in that at least for me um i actually yeah, but i mean they're i mean for me like it, it always hurts. And then I'm just like, well, who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I just need to get rejected like a lot more than I have been. Um, well, it's good to get rejected too, because it's like, I haven't gotten a rejection email in a little bit, which means I haven't been submitting to stuff. Right. Good so point. like, it's a reminder that you're like actively, I had this guy, I won this like screenplay scholarship thing when at Brooklyn college and I kind of got this like wonderful, like writing mentor out of it. And I remember he he told me something out the door every week. Right. was a, was a rule that he lived by. And I thought that was so smart. So, and I don't abide by that, but I should, but I've always told myself I would and I don't, but like something out the door every week is good. So it's like, Oh, I submitted to this Hail Mary, whatever thing this week. And uh, then you forget about it. And then like you're doing something random and you get this email in your inbox. It's a rejection. It ruins your day. But, 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 but you got it out the but door. You, <laughs> but, but it's like, Oh, I, I tried for something. Yeah. You got, you got, you got it out the door. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's really good advice. I, uh, I guess I got to submit more to get yeah, rejected. I don't have more. any advice. I just have other people's advice. But, but like, well, that's all I'm we like, all have, right? I mean, you're not like conjuring some fucking exclusive <laughs> advice that, you know, it can only come from your soul. It's like everybody's got the same fucking advice. Yeah. And I don't mean that. And I don't mean that in any sort of negative way. It's just like there's no original piece of advice. Right. Um, right. Right. But yeah, for me, it's just like, oh, these are the things that have been the most helpful for me. I have found so far. The goals thing is so funny. Like I recently was like, all right, I'm going to fucking because I know that if I don't start setting goals that in five years from now, like what I am right now is what I'll be. And so I started like, what do I want to accomplish in a year from now? And I started writing down my goals and um, mm-hmm. I had like a almost a full on nervous breakdown. I mean, it was like it was almost a panic attack just about writing down my goals because I was like <laughs> to start fucking freaking out about like, well, how am I going to? OK, there needs to be more specificity to this goal and if i'm gonna accomplish this by this date then what does that mean i need to do tomorrow you know like anyway it's a little dizzying but i think i'm getting a little better i i I like the other night that was the first attempt to write goals you know and then the other night i was like okay well let me just now that i am in a place of calm and a place of like serenity now i'll try and write the goals in a reasonable way and it actually kind of worked and i haven't really felt as anxious about it Right. I think that's great. But I also think that, and I'm just learning this like right now, it's a little bit of the artist's way and a little bit of this book. I'm, I just start, I've also been reading called Atomic Habits. Um, but there's this, so I'm kind of conflicted on setting goals. I think they're, I think they're great. But at the same time, 
it's like, yeah. Oh, my mom's calling me. I'm sorry. I'm on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Are you Um, in your childhood bedroom too? I'm I'm actually in my sister's childhood bedroom. Um, Yeah. Has anything changed (laughs) since childhood? Um, a, a little bit, but not much in my, in my room, there's still like black and white checkered, like s- stickers everywhere. And like the glow in the dark stars on the ceiling and stuff. Wow. Um, it's time capsule. Just, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Um, but, uh, oh, but so atomic habits, like, so, so sometimes, sometimes goals, and I, th- I think she kind of touched on this a little in the artist way. And then like, my cabinets touched on it. It's like at the same time, like they both said the same thing. Mm. Like that I read like almost the same sentence in each book the same week. And I was like, wow, maybe this is, I should actually listen to this. And, um, it was basically like, like don't set a goal for this like end product, like set a goal just to be a little better every day. Because it's not big things that are going to change your life. Like if, when I've said, I'm going to make a movie, I have a goal. I've had a goal to make a movie every year for right. my, since I was 21. Right. Um, I've done it. I've done it twice. Right. Um, it took a really long time. I've actually done it three times. I made this other documentary, but no one ever counts it. I, I'm going to start counting it. Do you it. count it? Yeah. I mean, Fuck it's just like on my YouTube. Else. I did it. I did. I made it. I'm proud of it. Yeah, dude. I'm proud of it for what it, for what it was at the time. But anyway, <laughs> um, but I have a goal. I have a goal of making a movie every year. Right. And, um, I don't, I don't, I almost never hit that goal, but what, and the, but then I don't have a goal or I didn't have a goal of writing every day and, or doing something for my career every day. So I'm trying to pivot instead of like, Oh, I want to make this movie by this date. Now I'm like, I'm just going to write and work on this movie every, every day, a little every day. I think that's a great approach. And that's, that's what I'm trying to like pivot. I have a friend of mine who his whole thing is like, write a page a day. He's like, because you know what that means, dude? Yeah. That means in 90 days or 100 days, you know, however long your, your movie's going to be, you're going to have a movie written in that many days. Write one page a day. And he's yeah. like, and don't finish. Always stop in the middle of a scene or stop, you know, stop somewhere where you'll be able to pick back up the next day with momentum. I mean, that's kind of an aside to the point. But the idea of just like one page a day, yeah. man, just fucking one day at a time. One page. Yeah. So I, and I think that I, I'd have to do like an experiment, but I'm almost positive that if I sat down and said, I have a goal of a year from now having a film made, or I have a goal of a page a day, a year from now, my, my, my way, it's way more likely my film's going to be made in a year with that like second goal. Right. Than the, the smaller, the smaller increment, like this little change goal. Right. Well, I'm excited for you. Congratulations on the film. I'm really excited to see what you do next. I think you have a very unique voice, and I think you come from a perspective of a lot of authenticity that certainly isn't familiar to me. I mean, growing up Baptist, all that shit. Like, your whole background is... is um it's yours. And I hope that you find, you know, the authenticity of your voice in your next project. And I look forward to, you know, whatever it is that you do next. I always really enjoy talking to you and, um, you know, learning from you. Well, I like, I'm so flattered that you, I'm flattered. Anytime, like, I don't know. I've, I'm very flattered you even wanted to talk to me. Cause I, I don't, 
in my head, I'm like, I'm not far enough along yet to uh, warrant <laughs> you know, answering any of these questions. But um, fuck that. So I'm, I'm honored that. Fuck that. <laughs> I want to you know. This is the shit I want to know about, though. Like, I want to know, like, how are you getting from not being far enough along to being oh, far enough? Yeah. Like, what are these touch points along the way? I had a friend of mine the other day be like. Yeah, well, if you want to talk to somebody, to somebody who's just like just floating above the bottom of the industry, I'm like, yes, of course I do. Because how do you yeah. pick yourself up every fucking day and like keep working every day when you know that like yeah. you're bottom feeding? <laughs> That's ruthless. That's but no, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, of course, I, I want to talk to you more than I want to talk to the fucking whoever directed the 72nd Marvel movie. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, I I, I appreciate that. Well, um, I'm excited about what you're working on, and I can't wait to read it. I hope you'll let me. Um, when yeah. Her, if I uh, yeah, if I can, if I can muscle my way through it, I will definitely when... possibly share and allow myself <laughs> to be vulnerable enough to hear somebody's feedback about something that I've done. <sighs> oh, you know what's interesting? There's um, I just I started I use Writer Duet. I don't know what screenwriting software you use. Yeah, I've heard Writer of that Duet one. has a read-through feature now. You can play like you can like listen to like droney computer voices read your script out loud. It's oddly helpful. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, but at some point you got to do a read-through, and like if you're not ready to let other people read it, you need to hear it out loud. Right. So if you're not other people to hear it out loud these um they don't judge right good point the computers don't judge they don't no well safe travels time. back to los angeles it was great <laughs> speaking with you and uh you. hopefully i see you in person sometime soon it's fucking crazy oh yeah 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 that would be great All yeah right. this is gonna wrap up at some point well thanks um um, good talking to you and let me know how the artist way goes. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, Kat. Okay. All right, Nick. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.